In our gospel lesson that we just heard today, we see Jesus who is fresh from his successful confrontation with Satan in the desert. He is possessed of the Holy Spirit. And he has in his company at least four followers, Peter and Andrew, and the Zebedee brothers, James and John. Jesus is declaring the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. It is time for his public ministry to gather some momentum and to draw attention to his true identity as the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Now the object of this passage from Mark is the authority of Jesus. The Greek word is exosia, which translates roughly in English as authority. Now all of this takes place in the synagogue at Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is the hometown not only of Peter and Andrew, but also of the Zebedee family, James and John, and we heard about the Zebedees last week in our Gospel reading. Previously, I've told you that it's been my privilege to go to Capernaum. The ruins of the synagogue there are from the second century. It is built of a light-colored stone. But it was constructed on a foundation of a much earlier synagogue made of black basalt. It was in that earlier synagogue that Jesus himself preached and performed miracles. Lying on the ground next to this synagogue is a stone column in ruins, and it has an ancient Hebrew inscription. It's translated into English and some other languages by the Franciscan brothers who now own the site of Capernaum, and they're the ones that have excavated it. The inscription on the column says, This column given by the Zebedee family. Just like we have windows dedicated in our sanctuary. Zebedee. Without doubt, this is an authentic place. Now, unashamedly, I confess to this group that at the site of this ancient synagogue, where we knew our Lord was present, I could not suppress my emotions. And I always try to suppress my emotions. (laughs) The emotion of the moment was so great that the tears began to flow. It was overwhelming, and I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in that sacred place. It was here that Jesus encountered a man possessed of an unclean spirit, which he ordered to leave Jesus, I mean to leave the man. Jesus ordered the unclean spirit to be gone. It was a miracle. And there was a dialogue between the unclean spirit and Jesus, which does not translate well into English, because there was some kind of triple play on words in the original language. But the important thing here, the important thing is that God uses this encounter to establish in the minds of the people in that time and that place the authority and power and identity of Jesus. Now, in our time, preachers usually have a hard time dealing with this passage and others that refer to demons and unclean spirits and forces of evil. 
Today, in our 21st century, we have a completely different explanation for the existence of mental and physical illness. And that explanation does not involve unclean spirits. But the people of ancient Israel fervently believed that such forces were real. Now, I don't discount the existence of the forces of evil. In fact, I believe in them. And I would not disparage the accounts in the gospel. But the point here is that the people of that time believed in demons and unclean spirits, and God uses that belief to further the ministry of our Lord. The important question here really is, and indeed the important question in dealing with all ancient Holy Scripture is, it's not that this is a factual account by our 21st century standards. That's not really the question. The important question for all Holy Scripture is, what does it mean? What does this mean? Mark tells us of a person who, has, who was suffering and he came to Jesus for relief. And God uses this occasion to reveal the authority of Jesus. Now Jesus has the power and the authority to heal the broken, relieve pain and suffering, because he is the eternal Son of God. And how often in our time do we heed this word of God? If Mark does not establish a clear Christology so that we completely understand the nature of Jesus, this passage is not about theological precision, and it certainly does not answer all the questions that we have. Rather, we have here emphasis on the authority of Jesus. He came into the world authorized like no other to declare the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is mentioned 122 times in the New Testament. And 99 of those times are in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And of those 99 mentions, 90 of them come from the mouth of Jesus himself. The kingdom of God. It's through Jesus that we get this fleeting glimpse of the characteristics of that kingdom. The kingdom of God is intrusive. It breaks old structures and boundaries that are built for the benefit of other kinds of kingdoms and other kinds of reigns. The reign of God is about liberating people from all kinds of powers that afflict them. It is about the liberation of the entire creation, including ourselves, our bodies, and so that creation, all of creation, can flourish and achieve the ends and the potential that God intended. The kingdom of God is about the true intentions of God, even to the point of destroying some traditions and authorities whenever that's needed. And we struggle in our time to see the promise of the reign of God. Through Jesus in our time, even today, we struggle with that promise. Those of us who share the worldview of the gospel, the belief that God is ultimately in control, where all of us are beset by the reality that there's a whole host of human affliction and societal ills that are too numerous for us to name. 
we see that some forces remain stubbornly beyond our control as Christians. But this passage tells us that the way things are is not the way they have to be. The reign of God promises us much, much more. It is for us to guard against the notion that God always favors our vision and our opinion concerning these matters. Our early church father, the venerable Origen of Alexandria, wrote the following. Those who pray for the coming of the kingdom of God pray without any doubt for the kingdom of God that they contain in themselves. And they pray that this kingdom might bear fruit and attain its fullness. The kingdom that is within themselves. The kingdom of God is here and now. It is present in the hearts of every believer. It is present through our worship and our fellowship and our church and in the hearts of Christian believers everywhere. But it's not fully realized. That will only come with the return of the Savior. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God. He is the only one who has the authority to do so. Until his return and the ultimate fulfillment of the reign of God, it is for us to act in faith. It is for us to believe in Jesus as the Savior of the world. It is for us to be nourished by the Holy Eucharist. It is for us to continue the work that God has given us to do, to love and to serve. It is for us to trust the authority of Jesus. Amen.